But first up, the federal government, as you may have heard today, is suspending COVID-19 vaccine mandates for domestic travel, uh, outbound international travel, and federally regulated workers. Uh, Since October 30th of last year, those over the age of 12 who weren't vaccinated were barred from boarding a plane or train in this country. Here's Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra. On June 20th, our government will suspend the requirement to be vaccinated in order to board a plane or train in Canada. Employers in the federally regulated transportation sector will also no longer need to have vaccination requirement for their employees. So why now? Officials say that encouraging COVID-19 trends are a factor in the upcoming changes to those mandates, with the number of hospitalizations, cases and deaths having fallen. And experts expect that trend to continue. The change, of course, will also affect federal workers who've been put on unpaid leave because of their vaccination status. Here's Treasury Board President Mona Fortier. As of that date, employees of the core public administration, including the RCMP, will no longer be required to be vaccinated against COVID-19 as a condition of employment. Employees who are on administrative leave without pay as a result of the vaccination policy will be contacted by their managers to resume regular duties with pay, and the bargaining agents have been informed. That's Mona Fortier, the Treasury Board President there. So ministers warned the government, though, is prepared to bring back the policies if there's a resurgence of the virus virus in the fall. So is this the right decision at the right time? Joining me is Dr. Zane Chagla. He's an Associate Professor of Medicine at the Faculty of Health Sciences at McMaster University and a consultant physician at St. Joseph's Hospital in Hamilton. Thank you for your time tonight. Hi, thanks for having me. So just a first reaction to this, I gather it's about time. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I uh, am glad that uh, domestic travelers have the ability to travel unabated uh, without any restrictions to the country. I think that's reasonable considering the evidence around vaccines and preventing transmission. It is still, you know, one step a little bit too less for the international travel piece where uh, vaccinated travelers will still, uh, sorry, unvaccinated travelers will still have to face a quarantine when returning to Canada uh, internationally. Um, you know, hopefully again, this can be revised to to fit with kind of more of a, a free travel criteria and, and recognizing the evidence around vaccination. But, you know, thankfully, you know, this is moving in the right direction to, to really uh, making travel, you know, much more um, open and, and uh, like it was pre-pandemic. What about for, uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of us just sort of listen to what the government's saying and saying, you know, these things were necessary and, and uh, they've been necessary right up until now. Uh, but there's very little, at least they're sharing very little evidence. And the, and the ministers today were not able to provide much uh, in the way of reasonings about why now and why not two weeks ago or why not three weeks ago or why not at the end of the month? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is an important point. And, you know, I think the writing was pretty much on the wall in terms of two doses of vaccine and, and, uh, and its efficacy against transmission, you know, in, in January, February, March, uh, you know, provinces took this into account as they dropped their proof of vaccination, uh, through many jurisdictions and settings, uh, kind of through, you know, February, March and April. And so, you know, if all that data is available when the writing is pretty much on the wall at that point, it is a bit per- why we're talking about this for a change on June 20th. Uh, and so, you know, there is that that really does need to be considered here. And, and these decisions have public trust associated with them. So we want to make sure that, yes, measures were put in place and public health measures are put in place to help protect people. But when their evidence really has run out, that we take them away uh, as fast as we put them in, in order to make sure that, again, we uh, we we 
you know, continue public trust in that sense. So listeners understand what is the evidence saying right now? Because we hear lots of contradictory things about about uh, about vaccine mandates. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, vaccinations are still very important for preventing individual risk of severe disease. And and even two doses provides that three doses a bit more. Um, but uh, but, you know, there is still good reason for people to be vaccinated for reducing their individual risk of getting sick from COVID-19. But the risk of symptomatic infection, so me or you getting COVID-19 and having symptoms, was really, really reduced with Omicron. And, you know, two doses of a vaccine, 15 to 20 weeks out of that second dose, likely had lost most of its benefit uh, in terms of preventing COVID-19. Three doses of a vaccine may restore some of that benefit. But even then, you know, data from the UK suggests over time, it really does wane over time. The last estimates from the UK Health Security Agency is 0 to 15% at 20 plus weeks post-vaccine. Uh, and so, you know, I think when this becomes apparent and, you know, the, the, the original thought behind vaccine mandates is that reducing symptomatic transmission would then mean that, you know, places would become safe. Well, when that really approaches the general population in terms of prevention, there's really not a justification here. And then the other piece is with Omicron, look, there's about 10% of people in Canada that have not gotten vaccinated. The vast majority of them have probably acquired COVID-19 at this point. And that, based on newer evidence, really does count for some protection, at least against severe disease uh, and probably equivalent protection against kind of symptomatic diseases, two and three doses of vaccine over time. Um, were the mandates effective overall? I guess the question is what what was the what was the desired outcome? I think in October, November, December, when Delta was around, um, you know, there was data suggesting probably that they did you know, reduce transmission if they were done perfectly. You know, there, there were still questions. You know, children, for example, didn't need to be vaccinated, uh, and so you know they were functionally vaccinated people on a flight that could transmit the disease. If the so so probably they did offer something. Um, if the goal was to increase um, individuals getting vaccinated, I don't think they were particularly effective in general. And then most provinces had an uptake of about three or four percent after November thirtieth. Uh, um, you know whether or not we consider that from travel alone or from other reasons like uh, positive healthcare enforcement, etc. So, you know, I don't think they increased uptake. The uptake of vaccines is very, very slow these days and, and really very few first doses being administered nationally. And so, you know, I think they probably hit their saturation point of what they could do from an uptake standpoint as well. What would you say to listeners who feel who would feel less safe traveling, not knowing that everyone in their car or on their flight is vaccinated? Yeah, I mean, look, today on, on June 14th, if you got on a plane, the person sitting beside you could be someone under the age of 12 who isn't doesn't need to be vaccinated to be there. Uh, could be someone that had a single dose of a Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Could be someone that has a WHO-approved vaccine that isn't approved in Canada, where we know efficacy is quite low. Could have two doses of a vaccine that is six months out that probably is at the same risk of transmitting. Uh, and so all of those people are probably the same risk as someone who's unvaccinated sitting beside you. And so, you know, when you kind of start breaking that down and saying that person beside you is the same risk on June, July, sorry, June 14th, as it will be on June 20th, 
uh, it really, you know, should comfort people to say, you know, they take their own personal risks while traveling, but the risks have been significantly changed with dropping this vaccine mandate. I'm speaking with Dr. Zane Chagla. He's an associate professor of medicine in the Faculty of Health Sciences at McMaster University. We're talking about the federal government today announcing that they're dropping a vaccine mandates for travel within the country and for Canadians uh, going abroad, not necessarily for when they return, the unvaccinated at least, uh, as well as for uh, for federally regulated employees as well, certainly in the transportation sector. After this, we'll talk a bit more just about uh, about whether we'll see these again, whether they are effective enough to bring them back and under what circumstances that could happen. Uh, we'll be back with that. I'm speaking with Dr. Zane Chagla, an associate professor of medicine at the Faculty of Health Sciences at McMaster University, a consultant physician at St. Joseph's Hospital in Hamilton. We're talking about the federal government today announcing uh, that they are dropping vaccine mandates for travel within the country for the unvaccinated. Uh, Dr. Chagla, when you look back at this, is this something that, I mean, certainly the uh, the it was mentioned today that these could be brought back if necessary. Under what circumstances could that happen? And, and would, would the federal government be in a position to make that happen now with, with sort of the, um, with just how this has all unfolded over the last few months? Yeah, it is a good question. And it, it's complex because, it, you know, obviously this virus is, uh, is evolving and, and what happens today, you know, is very different than what happens tomorrow. And it's hard to make these predictions. I will say though, the, the trajectory of, of this virus over the last six months since Omicron has emerged has been immune evasion. And so, you know, BA1, BA2, what we're seeing in BA4, BA5 is, you know, more escape from people that have antibodies to COVID-19, not necessarily leading them to getting sicker, but having repeat infections over time. And so if that is the case, then it's going to be very hard to say unless vaccine technology changes immensely that uh, you know proof of vaccine is going to do anything more today than it will do tomorrow and the next day in terms of reducing transmission. Even if community rates are higher, um, they'll likely be higher from the fact that vaccine efficacy will be even lower over time, not higher. Um, you know, I think if, if we do get new vaccines, new technologies, that does need to be evaluated. But at the same time, you know, with as much people that have been infected today and, you know, or, or got a, a immunity through natural infection or vaccination, it's going to be, again, hard to justify um, imposing this when people's risk of severe disease is very different than it was in 2020. So, you know, absolutely, we have to be humbled and, and kind of see things as they come. But the bar to reinstitute a mandate needs to be extremely high. And again, the way things are looking right now with the technologies we have in place, I don't see that happening over time. Um, there was discussion today of, of updating the, the definition of fully vaccinated to include that booster shot. Is that something that, that we should do? And what impact would that have? So, you know, I, I absolutely, you know, three doses of vaccine probably does offer more protection than two, both from, you know, symptomatic disease over time, where you kind of refresh it. And then again, it does wean over time, uh, but also, you know, a bit more protection against severe disease. There's anecdotal data suggesting even this, the, um, the recovery from disease is a bit better in people that have three doses versus two. And so, you know, when you look back at the series now, a year later, or a year and a half later, and you're offering it to an individual off the bat, you know, there may be a need to say we should redefine this as you get a dose, you get another dose at eight months, and you get another dose six months later, which is similar to our other vaccines like hepatitis B, where where that happens. And that's really that redefinition of three doses as what the primary vaccine series would be. I think, though, the practical piece on top of this is 
between dose two and three, a lot of people got Omicron. And looking at the data that's at least available, you know, the, the equivalent of being getting a booster dose is is kind of in that same ballpark as getting Omicron in that sense. And so, you know, many people probably immunologically meet the definition of three dose vaccinated, even though they haven't gotten three doses. And so when we talk about things like mandating it, it really, really gets tricky at that point. So, so you know, there, there are ways to introduce this as a three-dose vaccine, kind of moving forward and saying we recognize this is probably a three-dose versus a two-dose vaccine, but at the same time, not instituting that. And again, really talking about how tricky mandates are moving forward because of how much COVID has got to the community. And again, everyone's immunity is on very different timelines. So you do still recommend um, a booster? I mean, do you still recommend vaccination, just not mandating it? Yeah, absolutely. And again, people who are particularly over the age of 50, um, who, who have not gotten three doses of vaccine should be getting it. You know, and, and especially if you're someone that has not seen uh, COVID in the last two and a half years, you probably should make sure your vaccine series is up to date as it should. Um, but again, you know, mandating it to a 20-year-old that's gotten two doses of vaccine and had Omicron, where the risk of severe disease is incredibly low, you know, again, there is a, a threshold there that that can't be reached right now. How would, when you look back then, since these came into place, how would you then, uh, you know, what have we learned with this mandate, uh, with these federal government mandates? We saw them provincially as well, but what have we learned uh, with these with this mandate uh, in place? Yeah, I think, again, this constant review, re-review, transparency, the need to reevaluate, and the need to bring them down when times come, you know, is a big lesson learned, right? Denmark did a very good job of this, saying we will protect you when uh, when we, we feel it's important, but when we feel like the measures in place have, have passed their, their expiry date, we will take them out. And, and they did it very quickly. They were one of the first countries to drop vaccination as a, as a requirement to enter the country. Uh, and so, you know, it is that two-way relationship. And I think, you know, unfortunately, this has become so polarized uh, that, you know, public health trust has been scarred by a lot of this. And, and we really do have to recognize that as we move forward in this, you know, dealing with COVID-19 long-term, public trust is, is really important for our ability to move forward. You know, resources are a great addition to make sure that we have better control of this pandemic, but restrictions and mandates really have to be the last resort and have a very, very high bar to come up and a very low bar to come down. I guess that's how you you unpolarize it to some extent is just follow the science, right? Exactly. And and work quickly towards it. I, I, has that not been done? Is that your sense that this just took too long for, for reasons of polarization in politics? I mean, I know that's a, sort of outside your lane, but is, is that the impression that you were getting? Look, I don't know what happened in those meetings when, when this was brought up. Um, I, you know, would, the writing has been on the wall, so I'm assuming it's brought up before. I, look, I, 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 I give trust to people that they make the decisions in, the, in power, that may, they make the decisions to protect the population. But, you know, they have to be cognizant of the fact that their ability to make decisions based on the science and based on supporting more population has to be, you know, with public trust in mind more than anything else. And, and I hope, again, we learn that lesson moving forward. Dr. Chagla, thank you so much for your time. No problem. All the best.